Welcome everyone to the Banquet Hall Podcast, the podcast that shares tomorrow's stories today filled with up-and-coming artists, influencers, entrepreneurs, and more who are tired of looking for a seat at the table, uh, which is why we created the Banquet Hall. Uh, today, I am blessed to be joined with Camille, and we have an exciting conversation ahead of us. Uh, before we get there, I want to make sure that for our new listeners, you follow at Banquet Hall Podcast, uh, share the podcast, leave a five-star rating, all the social media influencer things that you all hear every single time you turn on any type of content uh, but it really does help the podcast get to the people that need to listen to it uh, but without further ado I want to welcome Camille to the podcast Camille how are you doing today hey Kyler I am doing well thank you so much for having me on thank you for being here uh, we are recording this on a Wednesday evening after a long work day but I'm happy to get the energy going and listeners y'all are in for a good treat um I want to start by just kind of talking about one one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on this podcast, because especially after going through your website and through social media, I feel like we're on a very similar wavelength with regards to like writing, being a media personality, and uh, which we'll get to later, you just started your podcast. So I'm just very excited to learn from you as I ask these questions. Uh, you're the first person from my MBA program or our MBA program. I can't own the MBA program all by myself. <laughs> um, but you're the first person from our MBA program uh, to be on this podcast. So I think I want to start there. Um, yeah. So in 2020, a lot of things happened, and both of us decided that the best way to navigate a global pandemic was to pursue a master's in business. Uh, so I just kind of want to start with asking, what was it like for you to start an MBA in this weird COVID-19 world on Zoom? What was that like for you? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny because we're on Zoom right now, but in a very <laughs> different context. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be in this, uh, in this Zoom meeting. But um, yeah, so back at that time. So um, I, I guess I'll back up a little bit because I like business school was kind of the thing that led me to move here to San Diego um, like a year prior before we started the program. Um, I graduated college in 2012 and I'd had a sense that I really wanted to pursue an MBA and go to business school. I just didn't really know exactly how I was going to have the ability to afford it. Right. <laughs> um, and when I, when I would make that happen, but it was just something that was kind of, you know, there. And, um, I was uh, applying to jobs in 2019, and I, I saw an opening for um, social media manager slash storyteller was the title mm. um, for the school that we attended, and um, applied for that job, uh, got it. Uh, There's a little more which <laughs> to that story, which we get into, um, but yeah, just feeling like, oh, this this is an opportunity. I can work here. I can be a sponge, and whether or not I'm ever a student, like you know, this is where I need to be. Um, it was a year later that a staff scholarship program was announced. Mm -hmm. um, so I uh, applied for that opportunity. I had just made the cutoff of working there for a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah. And um, was just, it was a, a um, when the kind of like when things kind of all come together at the same mm -hmm. time. Yeah. So it was one of those moments and I was like, all right, this is it. Like I'm applying to this scholarship. I'm applying to this program. Um, and you know, this will be how I make it happen. Um, but yeah, I, so I guess I'd lived here about a year and I didn't know anyone in San Diego. Um, this was six months before like COVID lockdown, everything. <laughs> so um, for me, suddenly being introduced to like seven so there's like 70 ish 67 yeah. people in our cohort um like meeting all these new people virtually like I was not getting that anywhere else <laughs> at the <laughs> time like it was a really a good opportunity for me to to make connections but um yeah I mean pretty much everything else at that time was rough so <laughs> <laughs> understatement of the night <laughs> <laughs> why not why not Take quantitative analysis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a what a wonderful way to open up the fall after the world shut down. You can't go outside, 
and we're inside on Radiant trying to analyze data in a tool we've never used before on Zoom in our living rooms, in our bedrooms. It was a very, very interesting time looking back. It really was. Yeah, I think like as we kind of progressed in the program, you know, things opened up and there were like other things to do. But at that time, it was like, well, you know, I finished my Netflix show. Or like, <laughs> I don't know. Might as well. Um, but yeah, it was really, it was really um, challenging at the same time. Yeah, and I definitely want to get into those challenges in a bit. But first, let's backtrack a little bit and talk about that journey getting to San Diego. So uh, I usually start the podcast asking about where people are from and what did they gain from where they're from? And I know you've lived in a number of different places. Uh, so I think if you could just help walk me and the listeners through your journey, getting to where you are today in San Diego, starting with uh, your being from Sacramento, you are officially the third Kings fan I know, I think, which is, <laughs> which should be yeah. a badge of honor. <laughs> we are few, but mighty, um, but hopefully more after this season. Absolutely. Um, yeah, um, I'm, I'm from the Sacramento area, um, grew up a Kings fan. And um, yeah, so I um, was raised in like the, the suburbs. Um, so I remember my first, one of my first times actually going to the city of Sacramento and like riding uh light rail I was like oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> I love this um like I just I just loved kind of feeling like I was in a hustle and bustle sort of um environment um and I lived um around that area until I was about 18 um that's when I went away to college so I went to UC Berkeley um lived in Berkeley for those three four years um I was what they I think they still have this. Um, they call like a spring admin. Mm -hmm. So um, they basically, you know, they let students in in the fall and then um, they kind of let us in the back door <laughs> in the spring because um, they have students that drop out and basically there's more room available. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, yeah, I was there about three and a half years. I desperately wanted to stay in the Bay Area after I graduated. I loved it. Um, first time I went to Berkeley, kind of similar awe of like, oh my gosh, uh, this so much amazing. going on. <laughs> yeah, there was a protester in a tree as I was like walking around with my dad, and I was like, I like this energy. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most Berkeley thing I've heard on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's an honor. Um, but yeah, I just um, I just liked it. I just liked um, the city of Berkeley and the the environment of campus and. Um, yeah, so I, I really wanted to stay. And um, I remember I had an internship and a full like a student job that had gone full time. And I was like, all right, I got, you know, to the end of summer to make something happen. And by the end of summer, my laptop literally died. And Aww. I was like, well, this might be a sign that I don't have a I'm not locking down a job anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's when I ended up moving. Uh, I kind of like rode out the summer, um, you know, applying to things. And then I was like, all right, I'm moving to Las Vegas, which is where uh, my immediate family had relocated uh, while I was in school, about halfway while I was in school. Um, then I lived there for seven years, which I always say was seven years longer than I expected to, <laughs> um, really wanted to come back to California. Um, but it was an amazing chapter of my life. And I think a lot of things that got me to where I am now happened in Las Vegas. So in a way I feel like, um, the Sacramento area was like the biggest chunk of my life thus far, but I think in terms of impact, like Las Vegas, um, is like a second hometown to me and I have all my family uh, most of my family is still there as well so soft soft spot in my heart yeah <laughs> a soft spot in your heart for Vegas <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I think I vaguely remember you mentioning stuff about Vegas like during that I forget the name our leadership class when we're getting to know each other when the NBA was a little less on the quant side and more on the oh get to know your cohort side and I don't know too many people who actually have lived significant time in Vegas. I think usually when you hear about people in Vegas, it's, oh, I went to Vegas for the weekend, turned up for a bit, had a good time, got drunk, came back. But to actually live in Vegas for seven years, right? Yes. Seven-ish years. What were some of those experiences do you feel that kind of shaped Vegas and living in Vegas for you and making it a special place in your heart? 
Yeah. So when I first moved out there, I had like two and a half years experience while I was a student working in our student union and doing like working conferences, weddings, like hospitality. So when I moved to Las Vegas, I thought, oh, well, okay, I've got hospitality experience. Like here I am in Las Vegas, you know, I'll get a job. And um, I was living with my parents and um, my myself and my siblings were first generation college graduates. So I kind of grew up, you know, my parents believe that, okay, you know, you go to school, go to college and you'll get a full-time job. Like that's how it happens. That easy. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the key. Um, and, you know, of course, like my sister graduated college in 2009. I graduated in 2012. Those were, it's always a challenge, but those were not the best years <laughs> uh, to lock down a job. So um, I had been applying and interviewing for things for about six months when I got um, an internship, I applied for an internship at a magazine. It was like a free weekly magazine um, that just told you like what to do, where to go, like what shows to check out. They had interviews with celebrities who were coming to town and um, I'd always loved writing. And so I was kind of like, well, you know, all these hospitality jobs are not working out. So I don't have anything to lose at this point to apply <laughs> to this unpaid internship. Um, <clears throat> and I was there for three years, um, starting as an intern. I did like the calendar uh, listings and then eventually I was associate editor. So I was writing all kinds of things. And I cannot imagine my Las Vegas experience without that and without the people mm. and just really unusual, I think, um, experiences like Tuesday night, I'm at a nightclub before it opens and interviewing the owner about the new like plastic dome they've built so that you can have <laughs> pool season in January. <laughs> like, <laughs> just these very Vegas things. Um, yeah, I was like um, at the auditions for the Blue Man group. Um, oh, I wow. Remember, yeah. <laughs> they had like an open casting call. And so I was I was writing about that for the magazine and was in the room as they're doing like an acting challenge and it was all about how you act with your eyes and it was like just a moment that I'll always remember because it's just such a weird like place to find yourself in. <laughs> and the Blue Man um, group is weird in general <laughs> it's a certain flavor of entertainment yes <laughs> yeah so it was just it was that for a lot of years and um, I'm so grateful for that because I love pop culture I love entertainment and that was really a home for me to express myself and write and when I you know first started getting paid to write I really couldn't believe it because even though I grew up like kind of having that dream I didn't know that it was actually going to be um, realized in in a way and so um, that was definitely a dream job for me um, yeah so I th I'm trying to think back to what the original question was I hope that <laughs> I hope that answered it hey sometimes on podcasts the best answer is you kind of get lost what the question was but you get a good story anyway because I don't even remember the exact question I asked you but I got the answer that I was looking for and that's that's what's <laughs> <Okay>. most important <clears throat> okay thank you um, but I want to touch a little bit more on before we get back to kind of the media experience in Vegas and some of the content creation, uh, what led you specifically from, I know you want to come back to California, but what was that experience like moving back to California after spending so long in Vegas and sounds like really discovering like parts of your career aspirations, parts of what like really excites you about media and content creation. So what was that like making that transition to San Diego? Yeah, so I, I'd i wanted to, like I was saying, I'd wanted to do it for a, a long time. Um, I had different ideas of what that might look like um, over those seven years. So at first, I wanted to just go back to the Bay Area. All my friends were there. Um, I missed it a lot. And then there was a period where I really wanted to move to LA. Um, I love television. I wanted to be a television writer. Um, and then uh, San Diego was a place that I had never been to. Mm. So um, really at the time, um, I was in my first long-term relationship and um, we were very serious and, you know, we were kind of getting to a point where we were trying to figure out, you know, what was next and 
um, having discussions about um, relocating because um, we were talking about, you know, wanting to kind of build a future outside of um, of Las Vegas. And so um, I was applying for jobs. We had kind of decided upon a list of cities. And um, the only one on that list that I hadn't been to before was San Diego. That was his um, <laughs> that was his pick on the list. Um, but yeah, so uh, I found the the listing that I mentioned before for the business school applied. And then um, from the interview uh, to when I actually moved here, it was about a two-week period, um, which all happened really fast. Yeah, it um, sounds really fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and things don't often move that fast, um, like in job offers in general or even in higher education. <laughs> Definitely not in higher ed. I expect any interview process in higher ed to take like four months. <laughs> right? I When I look back on it, I'm like, that was, things were happening. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, so it was like a two week period of kind of processing, like, all right, this, you know, seems promising, like, um, actually, sorry, it was two weeks from when I interviewed to when I got the actual offer. Um, and then, um, yeah, so we ended up um, parting ways within that two weeks of kind of waiting for the, for mm. the job offer. Um, and to me, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know San Diego, I didn't know, like, people there, but the thought that it would get me closer to pursuing business school, which had felt like such a dream of mine and a, really an unattainable dream, I think up to that point, I didn't have doubt that this was the right move for me. And then when it came to it, you know, I wasn't willing to like stay behind and say no to this opportunity, mm. even though, you know, it, it felt risky. Um, you know, you're moving cities, you're leaving families behind. Um, but that much I knew. So I made the decision to move here by myself. Um, and yeah, that was like almost four years ago now. Um, but yeah, I moved into like a, um, an ADU or like a little casita. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I called it the she shed. Um, so that was my little soft place to land. Um, but yeah, like basically weeks at like, I don't know, in the middle of, of a breakup really, and, um, starting a new job and, um, just kind of, I think from there, um, almost like cracking an egg open, mm. you're like, Oh, it's super messy. <laughs> but like, you know, now this egg is, I don't know, going to become something delicious or now it can transform. I don't know. I'm still working on the metaphor, but <laughs> we'll workshop it. We'll workshop. I, I I felt I was with you. I was, I felt where we were going with it. I think that's what matters. Yeah. I used to say like, Oh, I feel like, um, I got, I like, I, someone threw me in a washing machine and you like tumble around, like, you know, tumble around and then I, I got spat out and now I'm soaking wet and I'm trying to figure out how to dry off. Like, mm, okay. Like these things have been like, you know, shaken up. I'm here. Now, what the heck do I do? Now, what the heck do we do? And it's kind of like, I guess we're figuring out if we're scrambling the eggs, if we're doing it over hard, <laughs> if we're doing eggs benedict. There There's a lot go. you could do once you crack that egg. We'll there work on go. the metaphor together. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kyler. You you helped me out there. Hey, that's what writers do. We, we help each other <laughs> out. Um, but Thinking back now, it's been four years since coming to San Diego. Uh, you have your MBA now. I think we can pause to congratulate both of us on finishing a yes. master's that was half on Zoom, half in person, fully complex, but we did it. So when you look back at Camila four years ago, but also uh, just Camille, who you are as a person holistically, what does it mean, especially as a first generation college student, to say that you have your MBA now? Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. So I think the process of earning the degree and going through this program and maybe even working for the first time in, in higher education was something that revealed to me that impact, I think, of being a first-generation college graduate. Like I knew it when I was in undergrad. I remember like walking with my classmates one day and someone just casually mentioning like, oh yeah, when my grandpa went to college and the thought in my head was like, your grandpa went to college. Like, yeah, like that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> this newfangled thing called college. Um, it was just wild to me like that, that, yeah, that that could be possible. 
Um, so, uh, cause my grandparents, like they had GEDs, um, or, or dropped out and my parents have, you know, high school diplomas. So it just wasn't something that I had really wrapped my head around. Um, and now I think it's really impacted me to want to, I think, connect with other people who are the first time, um, you know, going after their bachelor's or their master's, because, there's a lot that you don't know until you get there. And then you're like, Oh, I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I just, I think I've had a lot of um, reflecting and processing like this chapter of life is the first time that like I've been in therapy regularly. Mm. And that's been a space that I can really kind of peel back some layers and get to know myself better and then figure out like, you know, what do I want to do with, you know, the experiences that I've kind of just been carrying around? How do I want to connect with other people and let them know that like, they're not the only one that that's mm. going through it? Yeah. Yeah. The big question of how to make everything connect. I think that that's one that I think about very frequently. My first job in higher education was working for undergraduate admissions. And so I would have the bright eyed first gen college or high school students come up to the table like, oh, like, what can I do with a biology major? And now, like, in retrospect, I'm like, what can't you do with a biology major? That's that's the question I need you to answer for yourselves. And I think that I mean, the MBA is very fresh for us. I mean, we haven't even crossed the stage really yet. Um, but I think that we'll start to just see just the fruits of all of that labor over the last couple of years and all the things that we learned from the MBA program, the connections that we're making and yeah, I'm looking forward to looking back on this podcast seven years from now. We're like, oh, wow, like we talked about the NBA in this way, but this is how this is how the egg ended up getting scrambled. And this is how the full breakfast plate <laughs> looks seven <laughs> years later. Car carrying that metaphor with us. I love it. Yeah, I think that's very true. I think it's really hard to sometimes know what you're in while you're in it um, or, or even like, you know, I, I think I'm someone that sometimes I try to make meaning of everything mm. and I'll try to do it like while I'm in it what, what am I supposed to learn right now <laughs> um and you can't always do that and and um you know but I think it's important and one thing I've learned is to try and like give myself space mm. um you know to do nothing to take a walk to um just kind of slow down because I, I think um San Diego inspired me in that way to like okay I'm gonna go to the ocean. I'm gonna just chill out for a bit. Like I had been very like work, work, work mode for most of my adult life up until till getting here. And the MBA, which was its own thing. But <laughs> <laughs> um um yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think with all the group projects and all the the um, lab to markets with the MBA, we we had a lot of work, work, work. I think it was nice sometimes before going to class just to catch a glimpse of the sunset before we go into the 6.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. dungeon and learn about whatever we had to learn about that evening. So I'm happy to hear that you're taking that time to take it all in, but also like give yourself grace to like relax, to take walks. And I think that I really empathize with what you said about trying to find meanings in the moment. I think that might be a writer's curse too, especially as someone who like has done interviews with people. Sometimes you just hear something like, okay, what does that mean? How can I, how can I break this apart? What is the significance of that? So I think it's definitely, it's, it's the creator's curse, I guess I would call it. Yeah. Well, thank you for making me feel like I'm not the only one. <laughs> oh no, absolutely. I appreciate that. Especially, uh, and some of the listeners know this, but lately I've been really into looking at like screenwriting and learning how to be a screenwriter. And I think that when I'm thinking about stuff that's happening in my life, all right, if this was my screenplay, what would this mean for the main character? And I feel like that type of energy is what I see anytime I'm writing, anytime I'm doing interviews, I'm like, okay, they said this, what can we really break apart from this? Um, yeah, writing, writing is fun, but I think it really makes our brains work in very interesting ways, I would say. Interesting, stressful, yeah. <laughs> All of the <laughs> adjectives. <sure. laughs> but I want to dive a little bit deeper <clears throat> into some of your media experience. Uh, before we recorded this podcast, uh, you gave me a link to your website, and I got to learn a lot about you in a really quick fashion. I really loved just digging through your website, watching old videos of the interviews and whatnot. You had a lot of content on there. 
And um, I love this sentence in your about section, because I think this is really what I wanted to break down. It said, as a child, Camille Cannon wanted to be many things, a chef, a music video director, a professional basketball player, Beyonce. Yes. Yes to all of the above. <laughs> yes to all of the above. Um, but yeah, I think just we touched on a little bit with regards to like some of your first gigs, but I want you to walk me through when did you first know that you wanted to be involved in like media and storytelling? It's funny as we were just talking about meaning making, I was thinking about uh, when I was in sixth grade, I think is kind of the, the first thing that pops into my mind. I used to keep this yellow folder that I had labeled on the front, my life as a movie. <laughs> and I would take notes about things that had happened to me at school that day and um, just little stories. Uh, I don't I don't think I still have it, but I had some sense and this was like after we had moved, my family had moved cities. So it was kind of that experience of like being new, maybe feeling a little bit of an other, like, you know, all these kids know each other. I think that was when I really started to get an interest in like writing things down, thinking about life as a movie, um, it's interest in media. And I just grew up also with a lot of like pop culture, like TV was always on, we we're always watching movies. Uh, I joke that I was grew up like the cable guy, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I just I just kind of like loved absorbing pop culture, um, and I I I remember also um, around that same time like seeing um, Saturday Night Live for the first uh -huh. time um, while I was in class in sixth grade. Um, I think we had finished like standardized testing or something, you know, when the teacher's just like, why not? <laughs> um, and just cracking up at one of the sketches. And I think from there, I was like, you know, trying to stay up to watch the show and learning about um, writing, comedy writing, like who are these people that are on TV making, you know, making us laugh. And that was kind of really the first uh, thing that appealed to me, I think, was was writing and com comedy writing. And in terms of comedy, I, one of the things that stood out to me, or at least that I kind of deduced from going on your website is that we have similar uh, tastes in comedians, I think, because the first link that I clicked on was your uh, piece about John Mulaney. John Mulaney is like one of my favorite comedians. Uh, you also have stuff on there, I think, with Aziz Ansari, uh, Seth Meyers, all people I think that are hilarious. Um, so what about comedy writing specifically is attractive for you or what makes you enjoy the comedic aspect of writing? Um, thank you for for checking out those links, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I have to do my due diligence. I sometimes forget that I that I did those things. But yeah, th that was were amazing opportunities. Um, so I had a sense when I was young, that laughter was really a way to help people. Um, you know, I, I think I had this idea in my head that I wasn't someone that was going to grow up to be a doctor. And in a way, you know, like doctors help heal people. There's like, you know, different ways that you can help heal someone. And I think uh, for me, like laughter was one of the ways that I really, um, I just, just turned to it as like, you know, an outlet and um, kind of that release from, you know, uh, getting a kick out, get kick out of something or someone making you laugh. So, um, I think it just kind of having that experience as like a viewer, mm -hmm. I thought this is something I want to learn because I want to be able to give this to someone else. I want to be able to share this with somebody else and make someone feel the way that I feel like watching, you know, this sketch on TV or this comedian online, that sort of thing. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think having that as a background made a lot of sense when I visited another website of yours, skirt.com. And I got to watch a couple, I watched a little bit of a couple of videos. Uh, you had one on there, Kanye compliments. Uh, I think you have Drake says, she says. Uh, so why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about Skirt and uh, the inspiration behind it and what you gained from that experience with Skirt? That's so funny. I feel the need to to say that those videos are from 
like 2016 or 2017 yeah. <laughs> so the <laughs> um the Kanye one is is it's very old um <laughs> yes very old <laughs> um but that was the first time ish that I had really put myself in front of a camera and camera being my iPhone uh my sister being <laughs> the one recording <laughs> so I was I had been writing you know professionally for probably three years, three or four years at that point. And I had just made a transition. I left the magazine where I was full-time to work in radio where I went part-time. And then I had been like so busy for, you know, those three years doing, um, having a lot of fun and, and doing a lot of work for the magazine that suddenly I was coming up with ideas and I had nowhere to put them. And I kind of noticed that like, they really all revolved around kind of you know, these ideas of, of, of feminism and, and um, representing, you know, for women. And then also my interest in um, hip hop and music. And um, then that kind of interest in making people laugh. And I thought, well, if I put all these things together, I think there's some room to um, have fun and, and to make people laugh. And the first video I did was uh, the one you mentioned, Drake says, she says, and I, I was a huge Drake fan. Um, <laughs> I think my brain was mostly Drake lyrics at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, I would be listening to a song and, um, you know, he's like, I got girls that would run a mile for me, like just making these bold claims, which is what Drake does. And I just thought it would be fun to kind of give, um, you know, take an opportunity for women in general to respond to Drake. <laughs> Um, so I went to like this touristy area in Las Vegas, the Fremont Street Experience, um, mm -hmm. with my sister. I had made these props on like um, foam core, like everything very DIY. Great props, I should add. <laughs> I was very impressed by the props. <laughs> Thank you. I just spent so much time dissecting his songs that it was like, oh, I can make a game of this. <laughs> um, yeah, and we had like a little like mic setup, which was not, I did not adjust properly, as you'll see if you watch the video, but, um, and went up and started talking to strangers. And for every yes I got, I probably got uh, 15 to 20 no's. And mm. of course, those don't make the video. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was definitely something very new for me at the time. I had never at that point, I had never been on the radio. I was, I guess I had done, I'd never been like a host on the radio. I had done like occasional guest spots. So I'd been like behind a microphone, but never really on camera. And it just felt like a way that, you know, I wanted to express these ideas. And I felt like the way to do that was to just, you know, kind of poke fun and, um, at, you know, at Drake's lyrics, but also like have fun, um, be in, you know, downtown Las Vegas and um, not take myself too seriously. So that uh, I did that for probably two years. Um, oh, wow. Videos. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And what was that like, like approaching strangers in Fremont Street in Vegas? Um, I know for myself, I think sometimes like, oh, like if I really want to go viral on TikTok, I'm gonna have to be a little bit more social, be a little more outgoing. And I just can't imagine, especially a younger version of me going up to strangers and asking them these questions. And I think that sharing about the forever yes, there's 15 no's, I think we don't too often get that side of content creation. So just what was that like for you looking back? It was, when I got my first no, I was like, all right, we should pack up. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I remember like my sister was right there with me and I'm like, all right, maybe we shouldn't do this. Um, and I will say that it was really unfamiliar territory for me just as a person because I grew up being very reserved, like, you know, very shy. Um, for example, when I, I used to work at Little Caesars and I was cashier, so there you call out the pizzas so that they can keep, you know, loading new ones into the, to the warmers. And a family friend who uh, I knew most of my life came in one day and she, I called out the pizza. She looks at me and she goes, that's the loudest I've ever heard you talk. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like 18 years old. Um, and I was like, one cheese out. Um, 
And so like me going up to strangers, um, you know, in, in uh, Fremont Street experience was uh, not comfortable, mm. but I also really had, I guess the, the, the vision, I don't really want to use the word vision because like, I don't think I knew everything at first, like, uh, you know, before I did it, but I think I believed in the concept mm. and I knew that if I, you know, was going to eventually cut a video that was like two to three minutes in length, um, I would need, you know, this many people and I'm not going to give up until I, you know, get this many people. I had also kind of planted cameos because I knew that would mm. be something that would kind of help me, you know, one, I would know that, you know, there were some people coming in that day that were definitely going to do it. And two, when strangers see you talking mm -hmm. to someone, they're instantly intrigued and more likely to agree to what you're asking them to do. <laughs> so um, I was really fortunate. Um, I think in that first video, it was um, uh, one singer in particular, Brittany Rose um, from Las Vegas. She agreed to do the cameo and that was a lot of fun. And so then, you know, when it came time to share the video, she was um, also happy to do that. And that became kind of a thing that I kept in all my videos was even if they were like these man, man on the street style videos, I would bring in like, you know, a couple of cameos from local artists. Um, some might even have let me use like their music for the intro. And it was just a fun way to collaborate oh, wow. with like other people who were being creative. And um, yeah, I think a lot of fun just to, um, you know, put that together and kind of have a community that was like kind of all working on creative stuff yeah i think community is so important when it comes to creatives because when you engage with other people who are in the creative space uh you have a shared understanding of what it takes to get there a shared understanding of how vulnerable being creative can be sometimes and just yeah putting yourself out there especially as a person who's more reserved can take a lot of Courage. I mean, speaking for myself here, but sometimes if I know I'm about to speak in front of a lot of people, it could take me like a solid hour to just mentally prepare. Like, all right, don't mess up. This is what you got to say. Like, take a breath and watch your filler words. But at the end of the day, you just have to put yourself out there and see what happens. So I definitely think our listeners uh, will appreciate just hearing your journey from calling out pizzas at Little Caesars uh, to the Fremont Street experience and being able to approach random strangers. <laughs> Thank you. It's it's fun to kind of hear that that circle. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it I would I would people that I would meet that had seen a video. There would they would um, say like, oh, well, you're not who I expected at all. Like, who was that girl on the camera? <laughs> who was just, <laughs> da, 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 da. And I'm like, there's an on off switch for that. <laughs> OK. <laughs> I can't do that all the time. Um, but yeah, it was it, at that time it was very much I had like, you know, little in my bubble Camille and then I could do that and go talk to strangers. Yeah, the persona switch on is definitely it's a it's a talent. It's a talent and a strength. And I think kind of segueing into another persona of yours, some way that you kind of turned on a different persona of you uh, recently. And by recently, I mean eight-ish months ago, uh, you did a TEDx talk at your former high school. Uh, September 2022, uh, you had a TEDx talk, Are You Participating in Life? I saw, I think you posted this first on LinkedIn, and I was able to read the transcript. I want to go back and I know the videos on there too through Google Drive, but it was a very, it was very impactful just to read. So I can only imagine one, uh, being in the audience, hearing it, and two, being the speaker presenting that to people. So I think the first question I have about this TEDx talk, and maybe give the listeners uh, just a little bit of a flavor of what that was like, uh, but or what the TED talk was about, but what was that experience like giving a TED talk at your former high school? For sure. So the talk was about... Um, my Achilles heel in school was always the participation grade. Um, so as a, you know, shy kid, reserved kid, um, I did not want to speak up in class. I basically refused to. Speak <laughs> <laughs> um, did not raise my hand, did not ask questions, um, really just kind of was a passive recipient of the information. 
um, you know, I was a strong student and I found my way around it and I would, you know, extra credit to balance out that low participation grade. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but when I kind of looked back in particular on like my move to San Diego, I realized that it took something different from me than what I had been doing like up to that point to actively choose to move here, um, you know, to walk away from that relationship, to leave Las Vegas, to leave like, you know, everything that I had there with my family and the jobs that I had. And um, I thought back to that younger version of myself that wanted to just hide in the classroom. And I figured that there's other students like that and they might need a little encouragement because I wish, you know, I don't know that I would have listened, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, I think that it it can make a difference to hear someone else share their story when when you relate to that person that's on the stage. And I, I kind of told the story of, you know, being that student and then getting to the point in my life where I really had to, um, you know, advocate for myself and what I wanted out of my own life. I couldn't let it be anyone else's decision, not my partner, not my family. Um, It had to come from me. And really what I meant by participation and the participation grade is like, give yourself the space, the time, um, the privilege to get to know yourself so that, you know, when life presents you with a crossroads, like, you know, that you're making the choice for yourself. Um, Because I think I had, for me, it was much easier for a long time to listen to, you know, other people about what they thought was good for me. And, you know, that move four years ago was kind of a a breaking, branching off point for me. And so, um, yeah, it was just, I wanted to talk to the 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 high schoolers um it was really strange going back to my (laughs) high school like I did not go to a reunion (laughs) um I don't have like family in Sacramento anymore so I really I had been back six months before that to go to a a friend's wedding but um it was even not really a place that had connected Mm. with in such a long time um so it was it was wild, yeah. Just being back at the high school, like seeing the buildings where I took classes, um, those sort of memories that come back when you're like in a in a space, um, and you had you know, remembering those experiences that you had, and um, I I I think I wanted to be an example of having the fear and doing it anyways. Mm, yeah, because. Like I even mentioned, I think in the talk of like the fear of public speaking, (laughs) because I wanted to acknowledge that, you know, it is scary and um, you can't, you know, you can't let fear stop you because I think, you know, there's a fear that um, is there to keep you safe, but there's also fear that keeps you stuck. And Mm. I wanted to share that idea in the hopes that someone can hang on to that and help themselves identify which is which in their own lives. No, I think that's so powerful because I think when you, especially with, I think public speaking, I feel like there's this notion that the people who are speaking, they're just, they're so prepared. They're so ready for it. But uh, public speaking, as a lot of people know, statistic is one of the like biggest fears that a person can have. And so I guess the first question I want to ask with regards to the TED talk, or I guess technically the second question, I'm not sure what order the questions go, uh, but what was that like when you said the first or the last word of that speech and uh, the reception that I'm sure that you received from the speech and conquering in a way one of those fears of yours? What was that like in retrospect? It was, it it went by fast and slow at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I had never memorized um, a 15 minute speech um, and I 
did not know I could retain that amount of information. So that was one thing. Um, it really meant a lot to me to be able to speak to students. I mm. think to to any you know group of students, but also I think for these students being at my high school, it was another layer of, I think, them maybe being able to identify with me. You know, I got to talk to some of them beforehand and say like, oh yeah, I had a you know class there. I took this you know culinary. Like we were in the same rooms, you know. So we have that those commonalities. And uh, I remember um, after the speech, this was like after the event. I was leaving with my family and like everybody that I knew was you know right there with me. And I hear somebody say Camille. I was like, well, that's odd. Like, okay. <laughs> I turn around and it's a, a student, a young girl, and she goes, um, I don't know if you heard me, but I'm the one that screamed like, yeah, after you mentioned <laughs> your breakup. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she was like, it was really cool to hear your story. And it's like, oh, my gosh, like, thank you so much for, you know, calling out for me and like sharing that with me like that. That was really um the reason that I did it and it didn't matter if it was like one student or you know any number of students I was like if one person feels different from having heard this like it will have been enough and um yeah the the teacher as well the um, organizer of the event um, came up to me afterwards and said that she had related to kind of that um crossroads moment and um yeah it was um, one of the scariest things I think I've done in terms of, <laughs> you know, putting yourself out there, Yeah. but one of the most rewarding as well. And I'm very grateful for that opportunity because, um, I just want like someone else to believe in themselves more like that. That's why I'm, that's why I'm doing it. That's why I got up there. <laughs> That's amazing. And I'll reiterate, just reading the speech, I like I took I related to it and I took a lot from it. So thank you for sharing your gift in that way. And the other question that came up for me when thinking about the TEDx talk was just what was that like in our MBA program? Because participation was a big piece of the MBA. Uh, I think for me, it was a lot more than I anticipated. I'm also the one who was in high school is like, you know, I'm not really going to raise my hand and ask a question. I'll ask the teacher afterward or I'll figure it out. Like, I don't want to put myself out there. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I want to make sure that people think that I know everything I'm talking about. Uh, so what was that like looking back at the MBA experience and having to participate in a lot of those classes? That's so true. <laughs> it was so <laughs> much, so much participation. Uh, well, it was still a challenge for me. Um the way that I thought about it, and this is, you know, on the days where I wasn't like totally exhausted and I was like, eh, camera <laughs> off, like <laughs> I need to chill. <laughs> um, but I did kind of see it as like a growth opportunity as well. And I would kind of check in with myself, I think. And if I had an idea, like, you know, I'd raise my raise hand button or, yeah. <laughs> which I felt was easier. Um, way easier. Yeah. So, um, yeah, do that, like say it, you know, as I think if I, you know, if I keep it to myself, I can believe what I want to believe about what I have to say, but I also don't give myself the opportunity to like connect with somebody else, mm. you know, whether we're just talking about like Snapple and when they, you know, <laughs> release this commercial or that sort of thing. Or, um, you know, like in that leadership class, like getting to share more of our personal experiences, like I'll never know, right, that like I relate to you on that level or so-and-so on this, like I'll never know if I don't share that with somebody. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I'm like in, in therapy and kind of my reading and journaling, like the last few years, like that's what I try to come back to is like, you know, it, you know, give myself grace, like I don't have to share all the time or like. I can, you know, take a break when I need it. But if I'm just kind of holding back for fear, like there, that might be a good enough reason to like push myself a little further. Absolutely. I love the way that you phrased that too. I think that connecting with people is a part of participating in life. So I'm, I like the way that you phrased that. Um, so I have one more larger topic and then we have a few kind of quick hitters to round us out of this podcast episode. 
Uh, and speaking of podcast episodes, you recently dropped episode one of your new podcast, Scratching the Record podcast, uh, rewriting the rules of a creative career. Uh, for our listeners, make sure you check out episode one, or it might even be a couple episodes by the time this episode drops, but make sure you check that out on podcasting platforms near you. Uh, but first and foremost, what was the inspiration behind starting Scratching the Record? It was something that I had in the back of my head for a while. Um, as I'm saying that, I'm like, I think I kind of just let things marinate for a while. <laughs> <laughs> like business school, yeah, eventually. Um, and I, you know, I had kind of done bits and pieces of things along my you know, career and the work that I've done. Um, one of those things being that I was like a weekend radio host for about two years um, on a station in Las Vegas. And, you know, being that reserved kid, like that was something I never thought I was going to be doing. Um, I was basically um, trying to figure out what to do with my time. And um, they needed somebody be to be a board operator. And I remember the program director, Jay Love, he asked me like, well, do you want to learn, you know, to be a board operator? Or do you want to learn, uh, like to be on air? And I was like, I'll learn whatever you want to teach me. <laughs> like, I'm here to learn something new. And to his credit, he taught me a lot because, um, you know, I, at that job, I sat in the sales pit and, um, you know, salespeople, they've got to go out there they've got to, you know, have personality. And, and some of them would give me a hard time because I was so withdrawn and I remember one of them had heard me like over the weekend and she was shocked. <laughs> she, she was like to JLo, like, how did you pull that out of her? Um, so I, I have to give him a lot of credit for kind of really helping me figure out like my voice. Um, at that time, I wasn't really sharing, you know, anything personal. It was like talking, you know, 10, 12 seconds at a time about music, which was also a lot of fun. Um but it's been an evolution to kind of figure out like, well, what's my story that I'm, you know, have mm -hmm. to share. Um, so I kind of had that experience and, you know, figured I would revisit it down the line, but I didn't know what it was going to look like. Um, then I had done skirt and um, when I got to the MBA, it was something that, you know, we're taking these classes in finance and accounting and, um, you know, our program is like STEM designated. It's very like, you know, math, science focused. That is not me. <laughs> <laughs> that is not me. Um, and I felt at times, and I think it, it grew and grew and grew a bit of a, a rebellion stirring up inside of me, you know, not at, at a, a person in particular, but about the way I was spending my time and uh applying myself to learn finance and and this and that i was like if we're if we're down the line and i'm the one that's in charge of this <laughs> equation we are already in trouble <laughs> yeah do not do not ask me about them finance all the equations and the in perpetuity and all of yeah no do not do not ask me do not rely on me for finance absolutely <laughs> Right. You know, it's about, I think that's a, a big learning is like, own your strengths, like own who you are, own your strengths. Because when we were put into team environments so often, if everyone is the math person, who's going to, who's going to lead on that research paper, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, you know, I think just kind of having to figure out like, this is not me. This is not me. This is not me. Okay. I'm going to figure out what is. And this podcast has been a way for me to like reconnect with those parts of myself that I think I'd felt like maybe I had walked away from or lost connection to when I left Las Vegas and left, you know, my communities and um, people that I, you know, could see on a regular basis and work with on a regular basis, um, especially the pandemic too, right? When like everything just shut down and it just, I mean, I lived alone. I, so it was a lot of time to like read books and, and journal. <laughs> a lot of self-reflection time. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and a lot of listening to podcasts. So um, I think that was kind of where I landed, where I was like, these are kind of resources. You know, these are skills that I've picked up. These are resources that have helped me. And these are people that, you know, 
I've worked with and, and inspire me and I want to help share their stories too. So that's where I think those things all came together was like the tail end of this MBA experience and really wanting to finish up with something that felt mm. like me in a way. That was beautiful. And so where can people find the podcast one? And if I'm someone who hasn't been following the social media of yours kind of leading up to the release of the podcast, what can I expect from the podcast if I want to be a new listener to the podcast? Thanks for that question, because I have not explained it yet. Um, <laughs> so um, I really wanted to, you know, based on my own experience and my own kind of questioning everything, um, share stories of folks who have navigated non-traditional paths and found a way to like foster a creative career. Um, because I think, you know, it's easy to like look at someone where they are now and not know what it took for them to get there. Like the sacrifices, the trade-offs, the um, maybe they really put themselves out there. Uh, and we think that every opportunity, you know, was just like landed in their lap. No, sometimes you have to really like go after it. You have to get yeah. a lot of no's and you have to get rejected. Like that happens to everybody. And um, I think I really wanted to highlight that so that, you know, someone listening knows that a, a rejection or a no is a, is redirection, right? It's not mm -hmm. the end of the road. And you're so much more than like a, a, um, a roadblock or, you know, something, an obstacle that's in your way. So um, I'm really, really excited about the folks that I'm having on season one. So um, they, they happen to all be folks that I worked with in Las Vegas. So it's been great to reconnect. Um, our first episode was um, Kaylin Brown. She, um, I met her when she was in college and now she's writing full-time at the Los Angeles Times. So um, just super thrilled that she shared her story and um, kind of that there was a time where she, you know, left Las Vegas to move to LA and she was part-time at the Times and then also like working, you know, jobs here and there, just like going after it. So, um, you know, stories like that and um, yeah, just, just kind of want to give some inspiration and give a variety of experiences for people who are still trying to figure it out as well. Like we're all, we're all figuring it out, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> um, know that you're not alone. Um, but yeah, so, um, we are on, um, Spotify, Apple podcasts, um, on Instagram at scratching the record. I'm on Instagram at cami underscore can, I think. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'll be, um, it's, it's kind of coming out over the next few weeks, um, this summer. So I'm really excited that, um, uh, got a, got so many cool and inspiring stories, I think to share. Yeah. I can't wait to hear the additional stories. I listened to the Kaylin episode this afternoon and, uh, just hearing from someone working for the LA times, uh, someone who cares about community too, like a uh, person of color, uh, because one of the things that I, really appreciate it not to give too many spoilers of the episode uh, but she talked about a story that she did on world on wheels in la and as someone who grew up in los angeles and i never got to hang out at world on wheels but just hearing all of my friends always talk about world on wheels it was really cool to me to hear the story of someone who's sharing that story so mm -hmm. uh, definitely listeners check out scratching the record uh, a few more episodes will be dropping soon I can't wait for y'all to tap in with that podcast as well as this one. And make sure you leave that podcast a five-star rating, uh, likes, all of that, all the influencer stuff. Thank you, Kyler. Hyping it up. I appreciate it. Hey, that's my job as a fellow podcaster. It's the, <laughs> the creative community. Uh, one thing that I know you really wanted to talk about that I want to make sure we leave some space for is DJ Cammy. Uh, the, the DJ within you, uh, Talk to us about the DJ side of you. We talked about media. We talked about doing videos. We talked about podcasts. We talked about eggs, washing machines. Now it's time to talk <laughs> about DJing. <laughs> All of those things. Yes. So I learned to DJ when I was in college. There was an amazing class that I got to take at Berkeley. Um, they have a program there called DECAL. So it's, it stands for Democratic Education at Cal. And um, there were two teachers, one who had studied at Scratch Academy in New York, and then he taught his roommate. 
and you had to, I think I was walking on campus one day and I saw a flyer for this class like want to learn to DJ and I love music um like I just grew up listening to the radio entering radio contests going to concerts and I was like yeah I think I do want to learn to DJ um so we had to like do our little applications to get into this class and um it was so much fun like I was just you know, we learned on vinyl to start and then we learned Serato. This was back in 2009. So things have already changed so much. Um, but I've always really loved music and it was so much fun to engage with it in a different way. And um, also just fun to kind of like bring that energy to, you know, a house party. Mm -hmm. I did my brother's graduation party, like <laughs> those sorts of moments um, and just curate you know the sound and the energy for those spaces and um yeah something that I really enjoy doing I actually did not DJ at all when I lived in Las Vegas which is not the common trajectory for DJs in <laughs> Vegas but <laughs> I um got a chance to do a couple of gigs since being out here in San Diego it's been so much fun awesome now we're coming towards the end of the podcast. I just have a few quick hitters for you. First thing that comes to mind is totally fine. Uh, first, who are some people who inspire you or where do you find inspiration? These days, I'm watching a lot of Zane Lowe interviews. Um, I love how he talks to artists and really connects, I think, on that emotional level and the story behind the song. Um, I love hearing about that, even just as a music fan. I really enjoy Drew Barrymore's interviews as well. Um, like those those memes going around of her being like right up in somebody's face. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really feel like she's bringing something different than we've seen from a lot of talk shows where she's getting at, the, at um, you know, the emotion. And I think, I mean, it's inspiring just to see those conversations where you don't you don't really see a wall up from somebody and I think I'm someone who had my wall up like it's been a process to like you know figure out when to bring it down but it was all the way up for like 20 something years <laughs> so <laughs> um you know I, I think I find inspiration in, in that and um you know most of my life it it's been comedy um writers like I was saying so like Amy Poehler um mm. Tina Fey um Seth Meyers, who you mentioned, he was my first ever interview. Um, so that's like just a like check. You like can't really <laughs> like <laughs> get better than that. But um, yeah, so those <laughs> those people. And then if I am, let's say that I'm a young girl listening to this podcast and I want to get involved in media or I want to find my voice in telling my story, what words of advice would you have for me or just anybody listening to this podcast? I would encourage um, young people, especially young girls listening to uh, to journal. I'm not always the best about it, but the times where I have in my life, I think it's given me that space to, um, you know, record what I'm feeling without judgment, um, get to know myself. I think that's really important because, you know, we get a lot of ideas of who we're supposed to be from external sources you know whether it be media um family you know any number of things that it's really hard i think sometimes to figure out like what's inside of you and when you do feel it i think it's important to honor it i think that i went through a process of like you know kind of trying to like dampen that stuff down um and i don't want someone else to feel that mm. way so i think you know, journaling, giving yourself that space, um, for getting involved in media. Um, I would say like, try to see like who among your peers is like creating something. I think that's really important is like finding that community. It's also a way to keep yourself accountable because the creating is, it can be draining. It can be like very, you know, um, fulfilling, but also it depletes you in a way. Very much so. Having, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> um, having those people that, you know, you can kind of like come back to and, and find those people that you want to create with. Um, it, it helps you, I think, learn even more about about yourself and what you bring to to that dynamic. 
Then this next one is actually one that I kind of stole part of from your podcast. So I like the way that you phrased it at the end of, at the end of the podcast. If there's anything that uh, I didn't ask you that you want to touch on or anything you want to manifest as we close out this podcast. Yeah, well, great question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. You know, it's one that I, 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 I think I need to like give myself that time and space, right? Take my own advice. Um, but I want to continue to like put myself out there. I think like I, I, I hit you up like a couple hours before this and I was like, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I want to like, can we collaborate? Can we make this kind of like, you know, part of scratching the record? Because, um, I don't like talking about myself if I feel like there's no reason. Mm. And I think I gotten some, some feedback on the podcast, like, well, are you going to like <laughs> tell your story? <laughs> like, <laughs> And I was like, well, maybe. <laughs> um, and I, I think like I'm really in that right now. Um, but I want to, I need to remember like, you know, the students at my high school, like the 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 young people that might, you know, come across this or that I might come across in life because um, that's why I'm doing it. And um, yeah, I was that that kid who couldn't like yell out a pizza. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm I'm doing this now, and it's scary, but you do it anyways. So, um, yeah, I think just keep like like not letting that deter me is kind of the the broad vision for where I'm headed. I love that so much for you, and I think this ties really nicely into the final question of the podcast. Uh, what did you take away from our conversation this evening? Oh my gosh, uh, that, you know, there were so many nights we were on Zoom for school. I would have loved to be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm so inspired by, you know, what you're doing too. And just, it's, it's you know, time is like our valuable resource. And, you know, you, you dedicate it to your job and to other things that you've got to do. But I really... Um, I'm like excited to see you working on this and really honored that you invited me on. And um, just thank you for sharing this space with me because um, yeah, it's, it's not something that's always easy, but to have the discipline and to, um, to just keep going at it. Like I'm really excited to, to see where this goes. Yeah. And I'm, well, one, thank you. And just expressing gratitude again for agreeing to be on the podcast uh, especially for someone, because I really related to what she said. Some people reach out to me like, oh, when are you going to tell your story? So I've done like a few like solo episodes on the pod. I'm like, I can't just talk about myself for no reason. Like, what is <laughs> what is the point of just speaking into this microphone by myself? But I know I really appreciate getting to know you more through your story, through these questions. I definitely know that I feel more inspired after this episode to continue going in media and content creation too. So thank you for that. Um, and yeah, as someone who doesn't like talking about themselves, we've been talking on Zoom for over an hour and you got to share your story. So one, I hope after this, you can relax and drink tea and not have to engage socially with anybody for too long. Uh, but two, just, yeah, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast. And for our listeners, uh, make sure you check out Scratching the Record podcast. Uh, make sure that you tap in with Camille on Instagram at Cami underscore can. I double check that that is, in fact, your Instagram. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> if it makes you vote, you're not the first person to, to not know their Instagram on this podcast. It's definitely okay. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I'm never like, I'm not searching for myself. I'm not typing it. Right. So. <laughs> Thank you. No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, listeners, make sure you follow at Banquet Hall Pod. Uh, share this podcast with someone who just actually just share with anyone. There doesn't have to be any uh, specific person you share it with. Uh, but thank y'all for tuning into this episode, and we will catch you next time. Bye.